Welcome to Creative Income, a podcast that focuses on making a living in the creative space. Whether you're an actor, filmmaker, musician, painter, or anything that doesn't fit the nine to five mold, there is value for you here. I'm Lars Lindstrom. Let's get into it. Welcome back to Creative Income with Lars Lindstrom. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited to introduce you guys to one of my favorite people in the industry. Her name is Roxy Shi. Uh, she and I have been friends for like 12 years. So long, in fact, that when I first met her, she was not directing and I was not a cinematographer. I was pulling focus on a music video. She was either producing or first ADing, something like that. She is a force and such a personality. I love Roxy. Um, and we've got some really, really great information on the podcast. So I'm, I'm happy you're here. Um, what else is going on in the world? You guys doing okay? Uh, I didn't get a lot of messages. I got a lot of downloads from that last episode. Um, but I, I asked you guys to reach out to me and I got like maybe two people. So I, I'm, I am really genuinely curious to hear uh, where you're from. Like 5% of our audience is in Germany right now, which is bizarre. If you're in Germany, I want to hear about that, man. Message me on Instagram. Uh, my personal is Lars Lindstrom or J Larzell on, on uh, Instagram, or you could go to the Creative Income Podcast um, page on Instagram as well. Um, yeah, I want to hear what you guys are working on, what industry you're in creatively. And um, and then uh, once, I, once I get that information, I'll exploit it. No, I'm just kidding. I, I actually do want to, um, I would love it if you guys would share the podcast. Um, you know, grab grab one of our stories on on my uh, Instagram page and post it on yours if you're getting value from it. Um, I think uh, that kind of sharing increases the odds of this being successful exponentially. So um, I'm happy you're here. Let's jump right in, and then we'll do a little recap at the end. Roxy, how do you pronounce your last name? I've known you for like 15 years, and I always say she or shit. Like I like what is it? It's she. You're right. <laughs> This is like I was thinking about it this morning. I was like, "Uh oh, are you <laughs> like, serious?" Well, because I always say she. I always I always say Roxy she, and then yeah. and then I was like, "Hold on!" And I started like set, you know it's like you get in your head. Wait 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 hold on. Does Roxy she sound weird like phonetically? It does sound kind of like it doesn't. No, just Roxy shit. Your- Roxy shit doesn't flow. Roxy shit doesn't flow. Am I saying your name right? Is it really Lars Lindstrom? It is. is it- it's not Lardy Lindy. No. <laughs> Is it is it Lars Lindstrom? Yeah, it's not Lars Lindstrom. There's no that you don't you don't hit that that st in there. Oh my god, I never knew that. Yeah, we've been friends for 15 years, and I'm so glad you're confronting me with this now. Who knows at our 30 year friend anniversary, what else is gonna come up? Like you're gonna yeah. be like Roxy, are you Asian? <laughs> or hold on, hold, hold on. on. You're kidding. Um, no. <laughs> well, you never know when it's going to flip a switch. The third act yeah. is actually uh-huh. a twist uh-huh. you don't see coming. Yes. So. Perfect. 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 <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Roxy, for being on the podcast. I'm not editing any of that out, by the way. So we're, keep, we're keeping it all. Um, Love that. Uh, you, you have been like my oldest industry friend. Really? I think, like, I think so. Yeah. We be, I think we've known each other 12 years now. No, yeah. Maybe not quite. 11 uh, it's, yeah, it's up just there. about just about twelve years. Just about twelve years. The fifteen years was inaccurate, guys. Don't listen to him. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah, but twelve, twelve years. 12 years. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. and I and I met you while when I was not a cinematographer, and mm-hmm. you were not a director. Oh my god, isn't when, that crazy? Yeah, I isn't was pulling crazy? focus on a music video that you were producing. <laughs> were you That's were you ading so- it? 
I can't oh remember. Oh my like, God. Oh my God. That's so embarrassing. I know. Well, it's not embarrassing because it's like, I think we tend to forget that we have to honor previous roles that we did occupy yeah. before we get to celebrate what we do now, you know? And it was kind of amazing, like meeting you as a first AC. I knew you like owned a camera package. I knew there was, that you were very smart about like, you know, the business aspect of the film industry. And you're probably were the only person I knew that had, that was like kind enough and like, I never felt like I had to, um, like, I don't know, have any shame when I had a low budget. Like you always made it very much like, you know, you Mm. were very open to it, open to discussing things. And if you couldn't do it, you couldn't do it, but you were never mean about it. You know, I felt like at that time, maybe it's because we were younger, like people were very defensive and very Uh much like, no, this is the rate, maybe because they were under pressure to pay off their packages. But um, yeah, you never Mm. made me feel like I couldn't be transparent with what I could offer you. Cool. How do you feel now? Has it changed at all in the last uh, 12 years? Well, I realized that I hate producing and it gave me a lot of fucking anxiety. So now I don't do that anymore. You know, <laughs> like yes. I yeah. didn't have to, I don't have to, cause I think like it's interesting when you're friends and you're also, you know, business collaborators, I feel like it, I don't know how you feel about this, but like in terms of producing and being friends, like there's probably more strain on it. I think that now yeah. you and I are creative friends. And so like, that business aspect isn't that big of a liability. Yeah. Someone else gets to be the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But I, I'm, I'm curious, um, do you, when you get a project right now, you know, 12 years later, uh, that's maybe low budget. Uh, do you, do you still approach me in that state with that same mentality of like, no, Lars, like I, I don't feel shame. And I'm not embarrassed to go to him with like a thousand dollars for this music. Oh, video no, no, no. Now like, it's completely yeah. different. Okay, now yeah, it's completely yeah, how is it now? Different. Yeah, it's different now. I, I just got approached by a quote-unquote commercial um, yes, this weekend, right? And it was mm-hmm. just like somebody's like, we need you right now. Like, this needs to happen. We have clients in Asia, whatever. And then they said that it was like a commercial, right? But it's actually only 60K for a two-day shoot. And I was just like, <sighs> no. Which I've done before. Yeah, I, we, I, I've, I do them all the time. Even recently, I've done 60K two-day commercial. But I I don't know. I feel like I'm different now. Like for me, if I break it down, I'm like, well, I usually take like 5%, you know, of the budget as a director Mm -hmm. for a low budget Mm -hmm. thing. And I'm like, that's 3K. And I just think about all the prep that I have to do with the clients, you know, all of the creative, like, it's just not worth it to me. Like almost a month's worth of work to to make 3,000 bucks. Yeah. Hell the fuck no. And then I think about like, the overall quality and like what my friends are going to get paid. And look, unless it's something that I feel like creatively benefits us, like it's something that you haven't done before and that you're excited to try or something that incentivizes us in that aspect. Like, I don't think it's not worth doing. I'm at a different place in my life. You know, you and I are in the thirties. Like we just do not know. Like I, I, I feel like if I were to refer my friend, you better pay them around their rate or higher. Like, that's I feel like that's the that's why we're friends for so long is because in our 20s like we understood each other about what um like what we're what we were or are not able to provide because we were building but since we're established now 
I think something had to change, right? We could be we could be a little choosier now, yeah. And I and yeah. I, but I do I do feel that very strongly. It's like, and I think that's why we get along so well. So in our twenties, we were building and we were taking yeah. everything, everything. <laughs> like you like, and I, I could yes. go on the street, yeah. and we yeah. will we will just turn <laughs> tricks, you know, for, for jobs, you know. Um, that's right. We did we did every like I've never seen you. But but you you always have this really beautiful energy, Lars. Like you you always added brightness in a, in an industry in a, in a in a business that's often quite dark and stressful. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, we so, even did a we even did an Amazon series called Dark Web together. Like, <laughs> but, oh my and it's God, like yeah. it was like it's called Dark Web. Obviously, it was kind of dark. <laughs> But I had so much fun on oh that my God, set. Man. I had so much fun with you. And look, that was like that was crazy, right? Because that was sort of like the first biggish thing that we did. Yeah. And like, I, the money wasn't the point at that time. Mm-hmm. Like, I think in our twenties was prioritizing visibility, right? So mm-hmm. it was all about um, doing something that could get us like on the map. And then now I'm just like three thousand dollars. I'm like, look at like the housing market. Look at rent. Like, look at groceries, dude. Like, that's basically a home. I don't yeah. know. No, I, no, I, you're absolutely right. Like, that's my utilities. Yeah, like yeah, like my utilities are like three thousand bucks a month these days. You know, like our mm-hmm. gas, our gas bill was five hundred eighty dollars in January. <laughs> like, dude, I know. Like, get out, man. Yeah, and so. like in terms of like your value, you know, yes, like Lars, exactly. how do you value yourself now? Right. Yeah. And I, I think I, I'm, I've been inspired actually um, on the last couple of films I've done where it's like, I, I, I'm at the point now in my career where I'm not going to settle necessarily. Like mm. if there's a frame I'm not satisfied with, I have to change it. Mm. You know what I mean? And that's, and that's, that's what I've decided now <laughs> is that, is that I'm not just going to like bend over and say, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Whatever. Let's move on. Like it's, if I want to progress, if I want to get better, I have to like make those hard decisions. And sometimes it slows production down a little bit, you know, but, but the, the idea for me now is if I, if I'm not completely satisfied with the art, I have to change it. And that kind of like goes with like business in general, right? Like we're not just talking about cinematography. We're not just talking about directing. It's like you and I were people pleasers. Like we did whatever it took to get the job done. We made everybody happy. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And, yeah, that was our 20s. Um, that was our 20s. And now, like, I don't know. I've been feeling like an anger in my in myself, like, Ooh, the, like okay. in my 30s. And and I was talking about this with another DP friend of mine, and he's visiting oh. from Germany. And <clears throat> he was like, are you angry or are you just setting your boundaries? Mm. You know? And break that, break that down for me. What do you like? Give me an example of what it looks like to not necessarily be angry, but to set your boundaries. And, and maybe it's that $3,000 commercial you're talking about, but uh, give mm. me, give me an, another example. So remember when we used to work together in our 20s and we're doing a scene and we just did whatever it took to get the scene done on time. We'll just cover the producers, we'll just cover it. And we just want this done. Like, just get it out of the way. We'll do it. You know, yeah, and no, we did and, like I think we did a couple of those, like those YouTube things, and yeah. 
And I would never, ever, ever, ever in a million years point you <laughs> into the direction of those videos. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. it was exactly that. It was like, it was that little $3,000 paycheck or whatever. Yeah. And we walked away yeah. and it looks like absolute garbage. Yeah. It, it's yeah, just, to me. it's yeah. just, it's just to you. I thought it looked great, but it's like, um, Oh, good. Great. <laughs> I think it's like inside yourself, you're setting a standard for yourself. And, um, you know, I used to just let producers do whatever they wanted and not give mm. my genuine feedback because I was afraid of them not agreeing with me or thinking them hard to work with and not get hired for future stuff. Mm. But now I feel very different. I feel like my, my opinion is very valuable. And if they don't see that, then we don't, we shouldn't work together. Like that's basically my bottom line now. So a, an example is, for example, I was in Toronto uh, last, last two years ago working on my first season of this TV show and the DP, he and I got really close. We're really good friends, but we were still figuring out each other's, fighting styles like our our <laughs> conflict communicate uh -huh. you know our communication yeah. styles and um he's very you know he know yeah I mean, he's very good he, he's good at what he does but it was just like the situation where i said okay i want to start on this close-up and then i want to pull back to reveal the wide and he's like let me show you on like this little i don't device i don't know he had like this like roller device Oh. Yeah, he was like this little roller device that he wanted to try, his new camera rig, and oh. it was just not working for me. Like, <laughs> we tried it a few times, and I was just like, this isn't going to work. And he's like, Roxy, just let me show you. Just let me try one more time. I was like, no, we don't have any time. Put it on slider. Put it on slider. Put it on slider. I'm like, I know what I want. That's what I want. And he's just, and then there was like that giant you know, there was like silence because we we're like talking in front of the whole crew and arguing in front of the whole crew. <laughs> uh -huh. And he's like, okay. Right. And, and to me, that was like passive aggressive because that triggered my like, oh, no, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm sorry that I, I didn't want to like do it your way. You know, <clears throat> like mm. it, it was like almost like an insecurity from my 20s. We did it. He, he just did the shot. And then afterwards, I went up to him. I'm like, hey, I'm really sorry, but I just really wanted to do it this way. And he said, Roxy, you never have to apologize for something you want. You know, he's like, you're the director. I should be listening to you, you know, and he's older and all of that stuff. So it's always like this, you know, being like a younger woman of color, you know, like trying to rise as a director internationally with a crew that you're not familiar with. You have to earn people's trust and over and over again, you know. Yeah. So yeah. it's like I think it's shit like that. Like it's not anger, but it's definitely an unfamiliar emotion that's coming up in my thirties. That makes me look at something and be like, I'm not doing a 60 K commercial. <clears throat> that's like exhausting. <laughs> like, it's not like a simple backdrop of a few like characters. No, it was just like literally multiple locations, multiple, you know, non-actors. I was like, no, hell the fuck. No, I would much rather focus my attention somewhere else. <laughs> and it's that brought she, me more money, you know, like it brings me yeah, more money. That's, this that's way. actually what I was just about to bring up is, is how yeah. does turning something down, ultimately bring you more money. And that's like, I mean, that we could spend the entire podcast talking about this very thing, but uh, how has it brought you more money? Okay, so I'm going to, I don't know if I told you this personal story. I'm sure I told you. We caught what are you drinking? You it. got your, your, your coffee and I got my Diet Coke. My McDonald's, my, my McDonald's Diet Coke. Dude, Mc, McDonald's sodas are super sparkly. Like, they just, They're so spicy. <laughs> they are super spicy. I mean... They're on a whole nother level. So, oh yeah, dude, yeah. baby, do that ASMR. Just, just do it. Just slurp it. Just, okay, just you got it. Close to the mic. Oh mm. my goodness. <laughs> I 
feel rejuvenated. Yes. Yes. Oh, um, that's, and that spice hits. <laughs> McDonald's, uh, you could pay uh-huh. a sponsorship yeah, for please. that. Yeah, please. I would love a there. McDonald's sponsorship. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll do McDonald's <laughs> ASMR every episode if it means. Oh my god! Free diet that cokes. Just, that just made me focus so much harder like, in the present moment right now. But anyways, okay. So yes. I I think I told you the story, but um, everything shifted last year for me. Okay. So I was just constantly doing work, chasing work, and like just doing it for the paycheck, whatever. It was more survival rather than honoring my voice as an artist. And I, you know, I did a movie called List of a Lifetime that got. Well, that went on to the awards, like, sort of circuit. Yeah. And um, and I was at the Critics' Choice Awards. I was on the record. Oh, my gosh. You know, like, talking to me. (laughs) Not talking. I made eyes with um, Andrew Garfield, and I think that his eyes said, I loved you. And I I think we're going to have a whole romance story happening in real life. But, um, you know, I just felt like I didn't feel the way that I expected to feel. Mm. in that gala and Mm. I just felt so fake Ooh, okay like I felt like everybody there you know we had Jane Campion we had Taika Waititi everybody sort of had a reason and something driving them to make what they do you know to make what they make and to be who they are and I was I'm like, we're nominated. And all I could think about is when I go up, I'll be like, thanks. You know, like I did this movie because I needed the money, you know, but, <laughs> but also yeah. like, you know, I care about it. But, but, but if I were really honest with myself, it's because I don't feel like I make enough to survive. And, mm. and that just made me feel like a fake. So after that moment, I had to confront myself and I'm, and you know, I got offered another movie for the same, if not less rate, you know, and I just, and, you know, it's another sort of formulaic sort of movie, TV movie, or TV something. movie. Yeah. And I just thought if I could get here doing a TV movie that is not of my own, you know, motivation, how far would I get if I just showed up as myself? Hmm. And um, that's when I started doing the very hard thing of, saying no to everything Lars like I told my reps I was like nothing below this budget range like I said a number and I was like and only if it's below that budget number like five million dollars I'm like it has to be a movie that fucking strikes me that really calls and speaks to me that is my minimum that is the standard I'm setting for myself I am immovable unless it's those two terms and they're like we're behind you a hundred percent of the way but it, it came awesome. with a hard sacrifice, Lars. It came mm-hmm. with me breaking up with certain people. It came with me being like, sorry, I'm not interested. And look, it was really fucking hard in the beginning, you know, but then with practice, it gets easier. And so I was saying no left <laughs> and right. I was saying no left and right. And in that time, I started mm. to recalibrate what I identified as productive into something different so for me it's like what is actual productivity it's me working out every day it's me eating well it's me refining my focus it's me um working and writing on things working on my voice really being more intentional with what i want to make and also making sure that i make more money that is the most i don't want to be stressed financially anymore things have to change and if the outside world isn't changing that means i have to change so, so you're saying no to everything. How are you making money then? So 
mm-hmm. after six months. And, and, you know, it was torturous, you know, because I was, yeah. um, during that time, I was getting by doing tarot readings and stuff like that, you <laughs> oh, know? Oh, man, okay. And, yeah. yeah, but but yeah. I actually make good money doing tarot readings. And, you know, I was really transparent to my support system. I went to my parents and I said, look, listen, it would be great if you can help me through this time just a little bit. I'm like, I'm not above taking a coffee shop job or whatever. Like, Lars, it's so weird. I know mm. you, it's different for you because you have a family to take care of. But in my circumstance, I'm, I'm single, you know, I'm untethered. And I can only be accountable for myself. So I said, um, you know, I'm down to do all that stuff until something right comes along. And then they said, you know, no, let's help you out for a few months. They're like, um, we would rather you be hyper-focused on what you want next, put all of your energy into it rather than, um, you know, like scattering your energy everywhere. That's not what the point of this. So they were really wonderful and they stepped in to help. I have a huge pride Mm -hmm. issue. So for me to do that is like kind of embarrassing, but I- No, no, no. Thank you so much for, for being honest and talking about it. I mean, millennials, we, (laughs) the economic (laughs) state of the world, eggs are $9. So then, you know, they helped me through, um, while I was making my tarot readings and all of that stuff. And then in June, right when I was like, why did I, why did I do that? Like, am I fucking dumb? Like, did I, am I never going to work again? You know, you go through those loopholes. And then on a Monday, you know, Eli Roth's haunted museum called and they're like, we want you back for season two. Right. Mm. And I thought they didn't want me anymore because we missed Halloween. But that's me constructing a fallacy in my head because the reality was, was that they just had to push a couple months for slate purposes. And they were just like, Roxy, like we would love for you to come back for season two. And not only that, but to kick it off, right. To do episodes one and two. And I was like, you know, like, Oh my God. (laughs) And so my reps are like, yeah, let's do it because Roxy gets to kick off the season. And then, um, and then on a Tuesday, Lars, like literally the next day, I get my offer for the movie that I'm casting now. So it's just wow. like literally two days in a row. And then I got this script from this producer. We've been wanting to work together forever. And he's like, Roxy, this just screams you, you know, like take a look at it, see if you want to pitch for it, right? Because it's a co-production between two production companies. So I still have to pitch for it, even though he really likes me. And then I read mm-hmm. the script and I was just like, so titillated i was like fuck this is every this is me like i went into that room and i pitched the fuck out of it and i was saying i was telling all the execs in the room i was like this is mine you know it this is my movie and then like i was so excited the movie was like gonna be a much bigger budget than anything i've ever worked with and i felt like everything was just the way that i was manifesting for it to happen and then they gave me my offer and it was offensively low. It was <laughs> for offensively the for the budget, offensively low. Like it was pretty close to what I was working with before. And wow. And this is where this is the important part where everything also this is how I know I've changed after these six months. So then my my point agent called me and she's like, Hey Roxy, I love her. She's the fucking best. And she goes, So I know you really love this script. And she's like, but this offer is really low. And so I'm going to counter to the best of my abilities, but what is your bottom line? What is the number that you're going to walk away and be like, F this, right? Yeah. I was like, honestly, twice the offer is what I'm willing to take as my minimum. Yeah. 
And are you uh, are you able to to say specifically what numbers or, or are you not comfortable with it? I don't want to say it because okay. I just I just but it was low. It was very very low. It was it was yeah. basically like if you think five percent of like a general director's fee was like two percent, not gotcha. even. Not gotcha. even two percent. It was like way less than that. <laughs> and, then, and then, gotcha. and then, and then the creative also because I've had my past life as a producer and a line producer. Like I, it's 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 a small ensemble in a very contained space. So I just know like it's just not a fair rate, right? So I looked at it and I'm like, this is what I'm gonna walk away from. And then she, I was like twice the amount. She goes, okay, I'm gonna swing back five times as the counter. Yeah, yeah, okay. I know. I see your face right now. Lars is like, what the fuck? Because in in general negotiating, right, you basically start double and then like you chop away. Fine. But yeah. yeah, but she looks at it and she's like, no, I'm going to ask for a five times the offer. And then that's where I freaked out. And I said, no, 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 Cheryl, don't like you're going to scare away the offer because uh-huh. I still want to do the movie. Yeah. You know, and she was like, no, um, she was she was like, ah, you're cute, Roxy, but this is what you should be getting. Mm-hmm. She's like, this is the rate that you should be at because this is what you deserve. All your nominations, all of your accomplishments. This is what you should be getting. And I just got so scared. I'm like, oh, she's going to mess it up. And then so right after the first counter, she got me to where where my minimum was. Right. And then amazing, amazing. And then so. And that's not final offer either. So then slowly throughout the month, the negotiations just kept taking place. She kept hitting hard with like these, all of these theatrical bonuses, all this, all this like terminal, all this stuff that I'm just like, ah, like, no, it's okay. Like literally after it got to like, maybe, I don't know, like 120% of like, not 120%, like maybe a little bit more than double than what I had. I was like, I was like, close the deal, close the deal. I'm happy, close the deal. And then my lawyer and, and Cheryl were on the thread and they just ignored me. And they were just like, yeah. And then he Let was like, hey, go back with this. Like, they just ignored me. I was like, why don't you close the deal? Like, I'm happy. And they just uh-huh. ignored me. And then here's the thing, Lars. After a month, she got me to five times. No. The original with all the offer. bonuses and everything. Yeah, she got me to, yeah. she got me to the original counter that she was and I just thought what the fuck and so you're asking me like how my value has exponentially tripled or whatever whatever like in this time of saying no I do believe you have to sacrifice your old life for your new one so Hmm. now after that like my mentality I had a paradigm shift I see things completely different now you know I don't want to I just I just don't see things the same way anymore. And people are actually honoring my value. And the rooms that I'm in are different now than it was yeah. six months ago, you know? So you have a lot of wonderful people in your corner. You mentioned your representation. It sounds mm-hmm. like you have multiple agents even. And yeah, then, they don't listen uh, to me when I'm screaming even. at yeah. them. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. How do you get those people in your corner? Um, is it a combination of being talented and working hard? Uh, how do you how do you find that representation that's going to be in the ring for you mm-hmm. to get you that five x number? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very lucky because Cheryl's a partner at the agency I'm with, so she's legit. She's been there for like twenty twenty five years. Who are you um, with? Um, APA. I'm with APA. Wonderful. And I Wonderful. love my team so much. Geez, I'm just like we did a general meeting. I think I think the most important thing is that 
both sides have to be champions of each other. So it's like any great relationship. It's like you make your expectations very clear um and they know how to brand me which is another amazing way like they 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 ask me what I want to do they're like are you interested in writing you know and then over time when I feel like I want to write they'll be like yeah we support that they'll give you notes on it I know that a lot of people have sort of stringent relationships with their reps because maybe their reps only call them um, once a month, you know, that especially managers and stuff, but me and my manager talk every single day and we are best friends for Mm. four years. And the thing about it is that, look, at the end of the day, you're cultivating a genuine relationship, you know? And like, I it's symbiotic too, right? Where it's like, just like, just like a friendship would be like, I can't, Mm -hmm. like if, if you and I are friends, like we, it can't be one-sided, you know what I mean? Yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah. Like it's symbiotic for sure. Yeah, that's something I I, I'm still kind of learning about uh, representation. Well, what is your experience with it? Just that uh, it's I don't I didn't understand the game, right? It's Mm -hmm. not not necessarily the game, but that it's it is not okay. You're my you're my rep, so go find me work. That's not at all the relationship. The relationship Mm -hmm. is we are in this together. Yes, and I will try and bring stuff to you to negotiate for me, so that you get your rate, and you'll try and bring stuff to me, just as I'm doing with you, so that we can like build and scale together, and that and that should be the relationship. Yeah, I mean, like, who knows, Lars? You're a really excellent negotiator, and I know you make good money, but it's like if you have a rep, you could be making so much more, you know? Yeah, and yeah, and and it's like it's it's great because like I finally found reps that are on the same page as me, like. I talk to other filmmakers and agents and managers will put them out for work. And if they get a meeting, it's like, oh, yeah, take whatever job, you know. But for me, if my reps see something coming, they're like, you're too good for this. Pass on this. Pass Mm. on it. Pass on it. And that's rare. Yeah. You know, but I think you have to nurture it. Back to that original um, original question. How how do you get to the the meeting? How do you get to that point where you're Mm -hmm. you're creating work, maybe independently? that uh how do you get their attention to make those to get those meetings okay so i don't self-submit i'm a big believer of don't chase but attract um and that's how i've attracted my reps like i never submitted myself to an agency i was always pursued so um Mm. my first agency was um abrams now called a3 but my agent at the time left during the pandemic because he realized he didn't want to be an agent anymore. And he connected me to my manager who I'm with Seth Nagel at five X media, who I love. And, um, you know, and when he decided to leave, I wasn't angry or anything. I was like, you do you, man, you know, best of luck. Like I came from the indie world. I'm not afraid of not getting work. If I had to, I'll chase something down, you know? Um, but Seth was like, no, we need to put you somewhere. So he's really good with one of the partners at APA. And so he basically put me on their radar and they met with me and then they're just like, you've done a lot of work on your own. And I'm like, yeah, I don't need you. You know what I'm saying? But but I feel like if you put too much expectations on anyone, you're never going to be a happy person and you're never going to be satisfied with life. Mm -hmm. You are responsible for everything. So they put me out for meetings. You know, I'm every, you know, people know about me in the studios and production companies. You know, I have two projects set up and two production companies, one with Leonardo DiCaprio's company, Appian, and one with Denovi Pictures. And I wouldn't have gotten into those rooms if it wasn't for my reps, you know? Mm. So they do that for me. They open the doors for me, but inevitably it's up to me to get the job. Yes. Yeah. 
So the fact that like a lot of artists, you know, I have a lot of filmmakers that come talk to me. They're like, yeah, my, my manager's not doing anything for me. You know, you're not supposed to be passive. Yeah. What are you doing for your manager? (laughs) I love my man. Oh my God. My my man. Yeah. My manager didn't make any money for me for two years, but he believed in me so fucking much. Like when I didn't believe in myself, he's like, you're a great writer. He's like, you're going to be great. He's like, I'm invested in you. He goes, you're going to go, you know, and, and, I just, I just, for me, it's less about like the name of something, you know, like some people are like, Oh, wait till you get picked up at WME or CA. I'm like, I don't care. Like, I'm like, Mm -hmm. I believe my life is about relationships and intentionality and the jobs will come if I do well, but that's not up to other people. That's up to me. I'm responsible, you know? Yeah. So talk to, how did you um, get into the directing scene? We're going to go backwards in time. So <laughs> bit, no. Okay. Because yeah, I, I usually start with like, how did you get started? You know, did oh, yeah, you, you know. be the filmmaker or whatever? <laughs> yeah, but. Uh, no, we're but two we, BFFs, we jumped, dude. Man, we, yeah, that's right. We jumped right <laughs> yeah. in. We that's jumped okay. right in. That's okay. Yeah. You know, it's nice to <laughs> switch things up a little bit. Keep it spicy. That's right. That's right. Just like this Diet Coke. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> McDonald's. <laughs> McDonald's, uh, feel free to sponsor Lars Lindstrom on Feel his, free to uh, sponsor <laughs> Lars Lindstrom. Creative, creative income with Lars Lindstrom Podcast. He's looking for sponsors. Yeah. You can play the ad at the All end right. of every episode. Um, uh, wait, what was the question? Yeah. <laughs> the question was, how do you even begin as a director? Okay. Uh, so I, uh, fuck. Oh my God. Um, so I, when Lars first met me, I was producing and I was okay at it. Like I wasn't the yeah. best, but I managed to be okay at it. And, um, yeah, we I did always, that Kimbra music video. Oh, did. I'm trying to think. It's like triggered. We did a few things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean t- talk about, talk about like, here's $25,000, like, and make it, make it the biggest thing that anyone's ever seen it was and crazy. we did it was crazy yeah. but anyway yeah so so you, when we first met you were producing mm-hmm. and then i always saved like a couple thousand dollars to like do my own little short film every single year and mm. eventually I, I met this guy named jason cartalian who directed a movie that i produced called seahorses and it was 20k and we made it a feature film for 20 it was so fucking crazy man like what the fuck are we doing dude unreal (laughs) Unreal. and then but he basically became my i have to thank him a lot because he created this fire and he was like hey kid like i see that you always save up some money to do a little short film and it's cute but nobody will take you seriously as a director until you make your first feature Mm. and um and i remembered like and you were a big part of it too, Lars. Like, um, I, that planted a seed in my head. And, you know, I used to think, oh, because I'm a woman, because I'm a person of color, it'll never happen for me. And this was before the diversity and inclusion movement was happening, right? So I yeah. really didn't feel like it was possible. But, like, he basically said, he's like, I'm a partner at Burns and Story. He's like, I'll give you all the GE gear that you need if you need it, right? Wow. And then, like, you at that time you just bought a new alexa and that was like the hottest thing and you're just like roxy i'll help you like whatever you need you know and that was like really big because at that time you probably could have only afforded a red scarlet but lars came through and was like hey like (laughs) whatever you need i'm here to support you right and that's the power of community and then like i made i basically fundraised kickstarted the movie put a lot on credit cards, which was not very smart. It's, I know this is like a creative income podcast, but I just want to be real about my bad decision-making. 
No, this is, I think this is exactly the kind of information that people need to hear. So thank you for being real and being honest. (laughs) But then at the same time, if I didn't do that, I mean, it's a high risk, low reward industry, but I happen to actually make it all work um, with where I am now. You know, I took a big Mm -hmm. leap of faith on myself. Um, I made the movie for a hundred thousand dollars. Um, it didn't go to any big festivals, didn't go to Sundance, didn't go to South by, you know, that's what a lot of indie filmmakers are banking on is that visibility from their first feature. It's a huge chunk of money. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, none of that happened for me. In fact, it's probably a really low rated movie, the lowest rated movie (laughs) I've directed. Um, (laughs) but But I just want to say, and you, you made it. Yeah. Thank you. And it looked beautiful because Lars lent me a brand new Alexa. I didn't shoot I, it. You didn't, you didn't let me shoot it. I'm sorry. It, but, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> but I took his brand new camera to the desert. <laughs> and you put a bunch of sand through the fans. Love you. Yeah. Um, but that basically, you know, from the tribe, I met Michael Nardelli who yeah. is the producer of Dark Web that Lars and I eventually worked on together. So Yes. Now you go. There you, you redeemed go. yourself. <laughs> I redeemed myself. I was like, I was like, this just needs to happen. This whole thing yes. that we've been doing, like we just gotta make it happen. And then yeah. um and then I, you know, the movie made a genre festival in Austin and a director um, saw my movie and he basically in the middle of his pitch referred me to the producers and that was painkillers. So I did my next feature film, which I was looked for hire for. And I did dark web within the same year after yeah. my initial leap of faith into doing directing. Yeah. And then I, which think I didn't it realize it, it starred Adam us, which is like, uh, Oh my God. I just did a, I just did a film oh with God. him yeah. in December. Dude. Yeah. The world gets smaller and smaller, basically. Smaller and smaller. Like, when you and I are 50 or 60, we would have been fully incestuous. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, we, would be, we would have been with everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Essentially. Yes. Uh, we're talking about work, guys. No, sorry, 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 actual, sorry, actual sorry, 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 sorry. It's a metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> it's a metaphor. That's right. It's, uh, it's the parasite. It's a creative <laughs> it's a metaphor. metaphor. Yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> We've been talking metaphors this entire time. Yeah, exactly. Mm. <laughs> You're not actually a director. I'm not actually a DP. It's all a metaphor. <laughs> yeah. I I work at McDonald's. Um, actually, I would love. Yeah, to that's continue. right. Yes. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> wow, that just yeah, sounds so thing good. This whole thing is just a giant McDonald's ad. <laughs> I love um, it. All right. So so yeah. So you, it's just kind of one thing that that leads to another. So you in in a real sense, even though you put maybe more money on credit cards than you should have for the tribe. Uh, it was an investment for the future, which paid off because it created your career. Yes. I mean, let's be real. Like you wouldn't be directing feature films or, or uh, directing TV series if had, it had not been for the tribe. Yes. Yes. I would be doing something completely different now. I'll probably still be miserable producing. Yeah. So. Doing, doing YouTube videos or, or you know, oh you producing God, YouTube don't videos. Don't even, Lars, if I stayed in that world, I would have offed myself. Like it's just <laughs> not for me at all. But you know, it's that thing. I don't know if you've ever felt this. But it's like when I directed The Tribe, I felt something when I was directing. And, and you've experienced me directing, so I feel like you understand. Like It's like I become fully like this powerful, intuitive, I don't know, thing. Like I just yeah. get so excited. I feel like a child again. I feel incredibly powerful. And I feel awesome. incredibly good at what I do. And that full alignment um, 
it's like when I finally realized what I'm meant to do. And the fact that it, the following year was like followed by like offers for jobs, it just felt like a sign and motivation to keep going that yeah. people are seeing me, that you are finally on the map, at least starting to get on the map. Right. Mm-hmm. What advice do you have for young creatives uh, starting out in any creative industry, but uh, let's say filmmaking in particular? Don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to look bad. You know, your ego is not as important as you getting your hands dirty. That is the most important thing. Try to get a well-rounded view of what's happening. So if you want to be a director, don't just direct. Like, try producing for a little bit. Try to understand a bigger picture. Understand how the system works um, in any kind of industry. Understand the machine, um, how it trickles down, how every single decision affects something else. And try to think larger than just where you are in the present. Um, So fail often so that you can understand what alignment really feels like when you step into that moment. And don't be afraid to exercise your no when the right time comes. (laughs) When the right time comes. And I think that's the most important thing. When the right time comes. It's like for the first 10 years, maybe even less, but five, five, six years of us working in this industry, we said yes to everything. Yes. I was doing weddings. I was doing corporate. I was doing music video. I was doing short film. I was doing acing. I was gaffing, like whatever I could do yes. to yes. get experience, to, to learn, to absorb, to fail, to exceed. And then, and then, and only then after you have learned enough, then you can start to say no. And also, and, Lars, uh, like another aspect of that, and I wanted your input on this, mm-hmm. is the foundation of character building as a leader. Mm. You know, um, like if you yeah. think about wow, yeah. like success. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. What is that? I had to I had to go through the trenches working for other people to understand what kind of leader I wanted to be. Right. And so it's you, you do is like as an AC, you work with other DPs or even as a DP, you see producers, directors, different people, and, and some things work really well and some things don't. And, uh, and especially in terms of treating people, like how do you, how are you mm. going to treat people? How are you going to rally the team? And, um, and that's, and that's something that you just kind of have to be quiet and listen a lot to, and you have to maybe take some smaller jobs to figure out like what works and what doesn't. And, um, so no, it's like, I think team leading is such an important part of aspect of filmmaking. Um, being able to communicate with people and rally people. And, you know, when, when that second meal, uh, you know, little Caesar's pizza is walking down the no. way and, like, and spirits and spirits are super low, you know, and you've been working 14 hours on a, on a total peel of a music video and you just want to go home and you're yeah. maybe raining and you're cold. You know? Like, how do you, how do you communicate to your, your team that, you know what, man, like there's no one I'd rather suffer with than you guys. And, and uh, yes. yeah, it's just like, and that, and that kind of stuff, you just, you, you pick up along the way as well. I just said, that's what I admire so much about you, Lars, is your leadership. Like when I'm going manic, like you're always somebody that can ground me, like not just as a DP, but like as a friend. And I've been thinking about like, what makes someone successful? You know, what makes mm. someone high value? And I think like outside of the technical stuff or the ladders to success as you would teach, you know, maybe in school or business or anything like that. It, I feel like so much of it comes down to character, right? Yeah. Because um, I'm teaching Can a producing teach class. Yeah. It's yes. Like, and actually, let's. That's perfect. Let's let's uh, segue. Yeah. Okay. Okay. 
So I am teaching at Larzy's alma mater. <laughs> yes, Art Center. Art Roxy, Center. you can't call me Larzy on my own podcast. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna out me with your nicknames. I'm so sorry. That's how you know we're really close. I mean, I Lars. Know. I haven't called you Lars in so long. It's just so weird because you're just like someone so precious to me. Um, mm. But um, you know, I'm teaching the producing master's program. Well, not really, just a class because everybody wants to be a director, but I'm teaching producing class. And usually, you know, you would teach like development and production, post-production, pre-production, distribution, like all of the system stuff that you need to do and understand as a producer. But the first class that I had when I, uh, what I talked to them about was the values of producing, which is like. Um, said by Heather Ray and Nina Yang von Jovi at a recent panel, and it's acknowledgement, communication, and reciprocity. And these are values that a good producer should possess because so often than not, we are in situations where producers aren't completely transparent, right? Mm-hmm. And it messes with your trust and it messes with the way that you do things. You don't feel supported in the way you do things. So most importantly, I'm trying to teach my students um, character building more than anything. Um, but what they take, whether or not they take that advice is up to them, you know, Yeah. Um, and transparency, right? So I'm trying to instill these character foundations in them. And I was like, look, producing, you could do whatever you want. Like, that's the whole point. You're the CEO of the project. But whether or not you do it with integrity or ethically is how long your your career is going to be, how sustainable mm-hmm. it's going to be, how trustworthy you are to the people above and the, to the people below you, right? Um, so I kind of took that because I know Lars is crazy as well because he produces, directs, and shoot. I don't know. You just do everything. <laughs> I'll um, do anything. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you, get, you got 60, 60K for a two-day shoot? Man, I will do it. I'll, I'll produce, direct, and shoot that no, thing so Lars, fast. No, Lars, <laughs> no. No, you got to start saying no. Um, no, you're right. You're you gotta, right. You're you absolutely gotta, right. You have to start saying no. Um, yeah. But, I, of course, I you have different – you know, responsibilities in. No, no, in, no, no. I'm just, I'm mostly joking, but oh. uh, I, I mean, I would, I would still take the job, but, uh, <laughs> but I would, I would just try and put a spin on it now. Right. Cause it goes back to like the, the art thing where it's like, I'm not going to make something I had. Um, do you know Todd Ben Hazel? Who's that? Who is DP. He's the cinematographer for Hustlers and oh, Winning Time. Awesome. Uh, HBO. He was just on the podcast two weeks ago. Yeah. And um, that was something he he said. He's like, he was doing like a couch commercial. commercial, And he was like, what can I do to make this? So he shot 240 like on like 16 mil film or something. Wow. You know, just like, and just made it incredibly yeah. interesting. And it's like, what can I do? So like, how could I take a $60,000 commercial for a couch or something like that? And what can I, what can I do? to make sure it's just that I'm learn that I'm still learning and I'm still getting something out of the art. Right? right. And I, and I think that's, that's kind of what I'm talking about where it's right. just like, I'm not, it's like, maybe I am still doing a lifetime movie or a couch commercial or whatever, but like, what can I do or provide to this commercial or film that's going to put my own personal stamp on it and something that I'm going to appreciate and learn from. I and love that's, that. That's what I think I'm talking about. Yeah. I love that. I'm just burnt yeah. out and I hate everybody. So, <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, yeah, clearly. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. So, so you, I, I'm, I, I love that you took this job because it's, uh, you're teaching one day a week, Friday from seven to 10 PM. Right? <laughs> yes. 
yes, exactly. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, and and they and you said up front, look, I'm a working director. Like, there's going to be times where I can't be here physically. And mm-hmm. they said, okay. Okay. So, so, and I love that, right? Cause you're able to, it's, you're still kind of like connected to the community. You're still mm-hmm. making that passive, not necessarily passive income, but you're making income mm-hmm. while you're, you know, you're still kind of pitching your, your projects or developing these movies mm-hmm. and, um, and you're able to support yourself, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, um, there's other things that you do too, that I, that I want to talk about. There's your podcast. Yes. Um, yeah. Two, two horny goats. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, go listen to make, two horny goats. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Do you make any money from that podcast? No, I don't. Um, and that's intentional, yeah. by the way. Uh, we. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Why? Because the thing is, we actually got um, the very first year we got connected with a couple of producers and certain networks that like want to put us on their sort of like AAPI, um, you know, collective podcast. Yeah. But at that time, it's like we. Everybody and their mom made a podcast during the pandemic. I mean, Laura's yeah, here. Same. Here we are. <laughs> Two horny goats. And um, me and my best friend Prisca, were, we were just having conversation and we just felt like we wanted to make a podcast for our younger selves um, about the topics that we never had growing up. And it felt extremely intentional. And it's very vulnerable because we're going to a space that's just for us. And we didn't want to sacrifice our autonomy for it. We didn't want to put ads in that we felt like weren't aligned with us. And we still, we're just still trying to find our voice. So mm-hmm. now I think we're at a place where we are ready to sort of package everything and do more intentional outreach. But she and I are just so busy. Like when I, no, um, I love that. Know, I, I yeah. love that. It's like, yeah. And it's, and it's the same thing with your career, man. It's just like, yeah, let's figure out what this is first before, yes. before we can, before we can sell it. And then once we know what it is, once we know who we are, what the voice is, then we can package it correctly. So we can find the correct people representation for us. Yeah. Right. And I think I think that's uh, I, I, I take value in that I, and I appreciate that. So um, there's a, there's one other thing that you, you did that I, I do want to talk about mm. um, was the Taiwanese Film Festival. Oh, my God. Or was it the, the <laughs> was it Taiwanese Film Festival? Or was it Taiwanese Asian? American. Look, Lars yes. has helped me yeah. in literally every aspect of my life. Like, I feel like I always call you when I'm on a new venture and I'm like, can you help? Like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> And I feel crazy. And we have very little budget because it's a film festival and I need lights. <laughs> or, or whatever. Do you remember? Yeah, they would like yes. drop it off for me and like yeah. I'll give you boba or whatever. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it was exactly. so crazy. It was so crazy. <laughs> it was so crazy. So what? What? why did you create the Taiwanese American Film Festival? Um, did you ever? Yeah, why, why did you do that? Um, and do you still do you still work with it, or or did you were you able to walk away a little bit, or what's going on with that? Lars, I feel like honestly, in my twenties, I lived twenty lifetimes. Like I just wanted to do everything and and give to my community as much as possible. Like I think the reason why I did it was I was irritated when I went into general meetings and people kept calling me, and I mean. They kept identifying me as the queer Taiwanese American female director uh, in LA. Uh-huh. And I'm like, well, you could just call me a director. And actually, I know a lot of amazing TA filmmakers that aren't getting as much visibility as I am. So that's what spurned it. Like, I just felt like I there's more than just me, and I don't want to be the only face representing my community. 
So mm-hmm. then, um, you know, Taiwan also wanted a cultural um, investment, right? Like in LA to sort of spread their voice as well for Taiwanese filmmakers. So then we partnered with the government and Taiwan Academy, and they gave us funding to make the Taiwanese American Film Festival in LA. And I ran it for three years, and I'm exhausted. And you know, <laughs> I just you don't make any money. You make very little. You make like a fucking stipend. But I did uh-huh. it. It was sold out every year. Um, yeah. You know, me and my team, we gave everything to this event and um, now I'm tired, you know, um, <laughs> and now I, I feel, you know, we got a presidential visit from President Tsai Ing-wen the second year. Like I have a resume that I could go to my grave happy with, you know? Yeah. So, um, my, but my mom is just like, but it's just the president. That's not a big deal. I will never achieve my mom's recognition. And I'm okay with that. You Did know, you see that meme after everything, everywhere at once <laughs> yes. swept the yes. Oscars yes. where it was like, like Asian parents are going to be asking like, why don't you have an Oscar now? Same. <laughs> Did you see Same. that? That was so triggering <laughs> because it is so true. <laughs> They'll be like, Michelle Yeoh got an Oscar. Where's your Where's your Oscar? And I'm where's like, you your Oscar? Come you know, on. Like, I was just like, I feel like everything I did in my 20s was operating out of the trauma that I had of like not being enough or doing enough as the daughter of like immigrant parents or being an immigrant myself, you know? So mm-hmm. now in my 30s, I feel like now is like my higher self stepping in and being like, okay, enough is enough, Roxy. Like chill Focus. the fuck out, you know? Let's bring it back. Let's harness your focus. What do you want your life to look like? You know? And I said, I want a lot of money. <laughs> I want to <laughs> I want to be financially free. I want to pick what I like to do. I want to work with my friends forever. And that's it. Beautiful. Yeah. So that's that so just like it was the narrowing of the focus. So like it probably opened a lot of doors though at the time, right? It probably did really good things. It got you some good visibility, maybe even representation, who knows? But now it's the same thing with the podcast. Like, where is my voice? What is my voice? Now that I know what it is, now that I know what my want my focus to be, now I can focus on what I really, really want out of life. Yeah. And Lars, what's interesting is sure, I was people like saw me and I was really popular at the time, but it was Mm -hmm. a lot of attention from not necessarily the people that I really wanted to be with. And now actually, strangely, the more I am withdrawn, the less people come to me, but the more quality that I want are coming into my life. So it's, um, so with the 60 K commercial, I, I was just like, no, like I trust myself a lot more now to say yes or no to things. Um, and I just know what's worth my time and value, which essentially is my worth and money, you know? So I just really want to go to the the Maldives. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Let's go, Roxy. (laughs) Let's, let's pitch a movie there. We must. I want to live in that under, underwater hotel, you know? Yeah. I know. I know. (laughs) Okay. You got it. Yeah. Hey, Roxy, I uh, thank you so much for being here. How much of your career do you um, attribute to luck and how much do you attribute to hard work? (laughs) How much do you attribute it to me, Lars? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. That's that also. How much do you attribute it to me? Lars Lindstrom. Yeah. A hundred percent. No, honestly, no, you guys, honestly, Lars has been there through every incarnation of my madness and he's Uh been super supportive every single step of the way, no matter how bizarre it is. So get yourself a Lars, get yourself someone that will just say- You could get the original. You could get the original Lars. (laughs) Yeah, I could get the original, like someone that will enable
enable all of your crazy <laughs> thoughts. Yeah. Um, how much to hard work and how much to luck? Yeah. I don't believe in luck. Okay. I don't believe in it at all. I think all of it is energy. And I think that you must put out a, your intention first, and then two, you must take action. So, so if you just expect things to come to you, you're like, I'm worth more than this, but you do nothing about it. You blame other people. That's not going to work. If you Mm -hmm. say, Hey, I'm going to make this $5 million movie one day. Right. And then taking steps towards that. So I tell my reps, I'm like, this is what I want. Right. And here's the other caveat. Like if it's not that right, I make it very known in the meantime, I'm working on things. I'm working on my $5 million movie that I'm writing. Right. I'm putting it out there as much as possible. Sometimes it may just fall to the caveat a lot more because the industry and the social climate is always changing. So streamers, all of that, like, you know, a lot of them are making lower budget movies now. And I think like mid-level and lower level thrillers are coming back. Great. That's what it is. Adapt, right? You can always change your intention, but I just don't believe in luck. I think that everything comes to you because of the way you move in the world. Lars is able Mm. to get all of these opportunities because of the way he moves in the world, because of the seeds that you plant everywhere, right? Hmm. I don't believe in luck at all. Yeah. Roxy, thank you so much for being on the podcast. This was so fun. Thank you. And McDonald's. Can we, can we go get uh, yeah, McDonald's sponsor. <laughs> um, can we can we go get uh, some lunch sometime soon? Maybe I, some, get some boba. It's gonna be boba, on me, honey. It's gonna be okay, on me. Yes. Um <laughs> of course. I'm trying to get Lars onto my next movie, so everybody just cross your fingers on that. You know, I'm gonna cross so him. I'm gonna cross sure him too because that would be really fun. It'll be, oh my god, it'll be so much fun because it's gonna be crazy, and I'm gonna need yes. my grounding device, which is gonna be Larzy Lindy. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one I told you not to bring up. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I you know I just want everybody to know how much I love you. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Thank you for having me. Um, of course, yeah. Roxy. We'll <laughs> see you next you. time. Bye. What an episode. Isn't she fun? Man, Roxy's so fun. Uh, you should check her workout. Um, check her out on IMDb, uh, Roxy She. That's S-H-I-H. And uh, yeah, she's. I, I'm sure you could probably tell we've been friends for a very long time. I speak very differently when I'm with Roxy just because she's got such an, an energy that we just really feed off each other. And uh, yeah, we're still looking for that McDonald's sponsorship. So if you guys have any uh, contacts at McDonald's, we're all about that Diet Coke. So uh, that's, that's pretty much it for this week, guys. I will see you next time. Thanks so much. Thanks so much.